We have a fantastic episode for you today. We are talking about the Secure Act 2.0. And to help us kind of uh, turn the pages and understand what that's all about, uh, we have Denise Appleby. She is a consultant that we've been working with for quite some time. She knows everything there is to know about IRAs and retirement plans. And so she's here to help us today to kind of walk us through some of the big changes. One, in particular, the the required minimum distribution the date or the age at which you start it has changed. And so you, you're you definitely going to listen all the way through to understand those rules as well as some other ones that have come up here. Yeah, I know when we got through recording this episode, uh, one of the things we said is, oh my goodness, how are people going to remember all this? It just, it felt like a lot because we shared a lot of information. So if you listen to it and you're thinking, oh my goodness, that sounds like a lot, don't forget, you can go to our website, pomwealth.net, go to the blog page, and you can read all about this just to be able to get all those details. Also, if you would like, you can hop on a phone call with myself or Merce. We're glad to walk you through any of these strategies that we ever talk about. Our calendar at the top right-hand corner comes up. If you click on schedule call, we are happy to jump on a 15-minute complimentary no-obligation call. Also, wherever you're listening to us, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google, follow us please. And also write us a review. You can do that very easy on Spotify and iTunes. Write us a review. Give us a five-star rating. If you think we're a five-star show, we certainly do appreciate it. But before we get into this episode, we have a very quick disclosure. That's right. The information contained in this podcast is intended to provide general information only and not to be considered individualized advice. Different types of investments carry different levels of risk. As always, please contact your financial professional for advice appropriate to your situation. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Secure Your Retirement Podcast. This is the place where high achieving professionals come to gain confidence on how to successfully navigate their transition into and life during retirement. There's no such thing as a passive retirement plan. To have a successful financial future, your plan must be actively managed. Each week, we will bring you action plans and expert interviews that will help you gain insights, learn fresh perspectives, and finally experience peace of mind about your retirement. Here to help you achieve your dream retirement and live the life you deserve are your hosts, certified financial planners, Raiden Stansel and Merce Tariq. Welcome everyone to Secure Your Retirement podcast. Uh, Merce and I are very happy to have a very special guest with us today, uh, Denise Appleby. Uh, before I even go further, I'm just going to say thank you so much, Denise, for coming on and talking with us today. And I'm going to give everybody a little bit of understanding why it's so special to have you. But thank you so much for coming on. You're most welcome. So I, I just want to give a little bit of background. We've had Denise on another episode, uh, but Denise is our consultant that we uh, utilize when it comes to IRA, 401k type planning. And that can go in a lot of different areas. I just say it that way because it's the way people most of the time understand it. But the rules are always changing. Uh, we've, we're we're going to talk about some of the new rules that we have had to deal with. But these things get complicated. There's no way that Merce and I can do everything and, and be a specialist at everything. And so we have uh, we've tapped into Denise's uh, specialty to make sure that we know exactly what to do. So Denise, you have been invaluable uh, uh, when it comes to what we do with our clients to making sure we do things correctly. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I love what I do. <laughs> you know, yeah. that saying, find something you love and you never work a day in your life. It's actually true. 
<laughs> Very good. Well, you know, uh, from time to time, we get these things that come up that are, you know, things that we just don't deal with every day. So we have to reach out to you. One of those things that has occurred, and we're going to talk about a few different things today, but is this idea around the SECURE Act. Um, yeah. So Merce, can you kind of set this up a little bit and we'll kind of transition over to some questions? Yeah, so the the Secure Act 2.0 now um, was just passed at the end of December last year, uh, which is just it's so perfect that you know something gets passed as the calendar year is about to turn, and now all institutions, advisors, everyone that works with IRA money is scrambling to figure out what the rules are and how how what changes happen and who do we need to tell and how do we communicate this to our clients? Uh, and uh, uh, as with any legislation. It's thousands and thousands of pages. So luckily we have Denise that can help us sort through that. Uh, and what we want to do today in today's episode is kind of walk you through a little bit of a history on well, what is the SECURE Act? Because there was a 1.0 as well that was uh, released a couple years ago. And then now there's 2.0 released at the end of the year last year. And what changes have been made? I'm sure some of you have heard about RMDs changing. We're going to get into that. And there's a lot of other things in there that are specific to retirees that we want to kind of walk through and uh, at least get some information out there because it is so fresh and new. And we, we were talking uh, before we started uh, the recording of the episode and and uh, Denise said, yeah, I'm still combing through it. And I think I've heard that from a lot of people that work in that world, CPAs and and consultants, they're still combing through all the legislation on what, what all actually changed. So uh, again, thanks for being here. And I think, you know, Denise, if you want to walk us through um, what was the first SECURE Act and then now, and then we can start talking about what what, what has changed with 2.0. Yeah, but first of all, what is their obsession with passing these laws the last week of the year? Yeah. yeah. Some of the provisions become effective the next year. That is so challenging because not only do you as advisors have to communicate these changes with your clients and be prepared to answer them, but IRA custodians and, and administrators have to make changes to their system to make sure they comply. So I'm going to jump ahead a little bit to Secure Act 2.0 to give you an example. That was signed into law in December 29, 2022, and some of the provisions became effective 2023. For example, the required minimum distribution rules. Now, Secure Act 1.0 increased the starting age for required minimum distributions from 70 and a half to 72. Nice little break, right? So now all IRA owners are thinking, I don't have to start my RMDs until I'm age 72, as long as I reach age 70 and a half after 2019. And that is how the custodian systems are designed. Then Secure Act 2.0 says, let's extend the ages a little further. Now we have a calendar to deal with. So when a client walks into your office and say, when do I need to start my RMD? Then you gotta give them a little table and say, it depends on when you were born. If you reach age 72 before 2023, then you start at age 72, right? So if you reach age 72 last year, you should have already started. Your first RMD is due last year, can be taken by your required beginning date, which is April 1 of this year. But if you reach age 72 after 2022, then your RMD starts when you reach age 73. Another nice break, but here is the problem. IRA custodians are sending out letters to people who reach age 72 in 2023, telling them that they have to take RMDs for the year. The problem with that is 
the IRA custodians didn't have enough time to make changes to their system to stop those letters from going out. So now I have clients who are calling me saying, you told me that there's no RMDs for these people this year because they reach age 72 after 2022. What should they do with these letters? And I'm telling them, chuck them in the garbage. They're not really any good. But the problem is some people have gone ahead and taken those distributions thinking that they have to. Good news is those amounts are not really RMDs, which means you can roll it over because typically you cannot roll over an RMD, right? But because this is not an RMD, it can be rolled over. So remember, anyone who reached age 72 this year, they don't have to take an RMD. And if they mistakenly did because of that letter, then they can roll it over. Another challenge is. Well, I'm sorry, I don't mean to uh, interrupt you there. I know I, I just did that, but <laughs> it's just for everybody's purpose because I think that that gets confusing. Could you just explain, just so we're clear on that rule, when you say the word rollover, could you explain what that really means and what the rule is around that rollover? Because Absolutely. we actually just had that happen. Mm -hmm. Um, with a client where he took the RMD, he called us and he said, Hey guys, you didn't tell me about this. And we're like, well, hold on. You know, uh, it, it, this is all brand new to everybody. We're figuring it out too. And, and you're, mm -hmm. you took your RMD, what we thought was going to be an RMD at the beginning of the year. And so we were able to help him roll it back over. So could you just walk us through how that works? Absolutely. So usually when you take a required minimum distribution from your traditional SEP or simple IRA, you got to include it in income. And any amount that's pre-tax, you got to pay income taxes on it, unless an exception applies. And one of those exceptions is a rollover. A rollover means you put it back into, into your IRA. And usually, in order to put it back or roll it over, you have to do that within 60 days after you receive those funds, right? Um, once you put it back, it wipes it out for, for tax purposes. But there are several rules to think about when it comes to a rollover. You take money out of an IRA and you roll it back. You can only do that once during a 12-month period, right? So now we got to ask the client, well, you can put it back within 60 days, but hang on a second. Have you taken a distribution from it? Traditional, roll it back to a traditional, a Roth, roll it back to a Roth within the preceding 12 months. Because if you did, then you can't roll this over. There's another issue. What if when they come to see you, it's well past the six-day deadline? Well, the IRS says it's not your fault. So there's this procedure called a self-certification that allows you to put it back after the six-day day deadline, right? Now, what if they're breaking the one-per-year rollover rule? then you can put that money in a 401k or in a Roth as a conversion because those transactions are not subject to the one per year IRA to IRA rollover rule. A lot of, lot of movement, a lot of parts moving there. All right. Thank you. Thank you for letting me butt, butt in there and ask that question. <laughs> You're welcome. You're welcome. So th that's one part of the required minimum distributions, right? So th they need to check with you as, as the advisor and confirm whether or not they're supposed to take an RMD because if they're supposed to and they miss the deadline, then they're subject to an excise tax. Now, here's something good that came out of Secure Act 2.0. Before Secure Act 2.0, the excise tax was 50% of your RMD failure. So if you were supposed to take an RMD of 10,000 and you didn't, then you owe the IRS 5,000 in, in, in excise taxes. 
um, but secure a point, it will reduce that to 25%. They also reduce it further to 10% if it's corrected during a correction period. So now we gotta, we gotta ask, what's the correction period, right? And that's defined in Secure 2.0. Someone misses their deadline, they come to see you, we can help them to make sure it's corrected within the correction period. So it reduces to, to 10%. Now, I see a lot of people talking about that, but they're not talking about the fact that the, the, the modification to the internal revenue code as made by Secure 2.0 did not re repeal the provision that says, if you miss the deadline due to reasonable cause, you can ask the IRS for a waiver. You know, your 10% is still a lot. 10% of any amount, depending on who you are, it's all relative. So if we can get that waived, we still should get it waived, right? So that, that's part of the change. Um, here's another good change that was made for required minimum distributions on the SECURE Act 2.0. Typically, if you have an annuity that has been annuitized, and a regular IRA, you cannot aggregate your RMDs for that account. What do I mean by aggregation? You calculate the RMD, say for IRA A, you calculate the RMD for IRA B, and you can take the total from any one of those IRAs. But the existing provision says you can't do that if the annuity has been annuitized. Secure Act 2.0 changed that rule, another welcome change, right? you can aggregate your annuity and your, your regular IRA now. And for a lot of people, what has been happening is the annuity payments have been much more than they needed to take. And so they still find themselves having to take that RMB from the traditional IRA. So here they have another break. I love Secure 2.0. There's very rarely anything in there that I don't like so far, right, as I'm going through it. So staying on RMDs, one of the complaints that we have gotten about designated Roth accounts, which is like Roth 401ks, Roth 403bs, governmental Roth 457b plans, is why do I have to take RMDs from that, right? Because I don't have to take RMDs from my Roth IRA unless I'm a beneficiary. If I'm the owner, I'm not subject to RMDs. So now they have equalized the rules for designated Roth accounts. If you have a Roth 401k account, you don't have to take RMDs. Um, I think that takes effect uh, in 2024, but we should double check those dates. I don't remember the dates off the top of my head, but some of the dates are staggered, right? Um, we're clear on the RMD rules as far as what the different dates are. I can give those to you in a like a slide and you can put it on, on your website. So people know that some of these things that sounds really good, don't become immediately effective. For instance, there's a provision that says if you uh, experience spousal abuse, whether by a spouse or a domestic partner, you're eligible for a up to $10,000 penalty-free distribution from your retirement account, right? That doesn't become effective until 2024. And I'm thinking, then why do they have to wait? You know, yeah. you get abused now. Let's 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 take care of that right now. And you the distribution has to be made within one year of when the abuse occur. So I don't like the fact that they're making these people wait. But another good provision is if you're terminally ill, if a doctor has certified that um, you have an illness that could result in death within eight to four months, 
then you can take distributions from your retirement accounts and it's not subject to the 10% early distribution penalty. So yeah, I know you're checking off all the stuff that I'm talking about right now. It's really great. A lot of great things. Um, no, part of what you guys asked me about uh, earlier is, well, what about this provision where you can roll over your 529 to your Roth IRA, right? That's the one that has gotten everyone excited uh, because this provision says, listen, we're funding 529 plans for a lot of kids and they're either getting scholarships or maybe college is much cheaper than they thought it would be. So at the end of college, they find that they still have this pot of money in their 529 plan. Not a bad problem to have. The problem is that if you take distributions of those amounts and it's not used to cover eligible expenses, then any amounts that attributed to the earnings will be subject to income tax and the 10% early distribution penalty. So now they have a provision where you can move up to $35,000, that's a lifetime limit, from your 529 plan to your Roth IRA, some sort of conversion. It's technically not because it's not included in income and usually conversions are included in income. But there are several stipulations. Um, it's capped at a lifetime limit of 35,000. The amount that you move each year cannot be more than your regular IRA contribution limit. So it's gonna take a while to build up to that 35,000. And if you've made a contribution to your traditional or Roth IRA, then you gotta add that up to the amount that you're moving to figure out how much you move each year. Because when you add the movement from the 529 plan to your Roth IRA, when you add that to your traditional Roth contribution, it should not exceed the regular IRA contribution for the year. And the funds must be moved as a direct transfer. So you can't go to the 529 company and say, give me my $6,000, I'm gonna move it to my Roth. And then you put it in your checking and move it there. No, you have to go to the financial institution that holds your Roth and ask them to request it because it has to be done as a trustee to trustee transfer or you're gonna mess up the transaction. Here's another stipulation they put in. You can't fill up your 529 plan in the last five years to get that 35,000 in there. Because one of the provisions says the amount that you move has to have been in a 529 plan for at least five years because they know people are going to game the system, right? Because you've been saving in these 529 plans probably when the kid was born. And now during the last five years, you see this as an opportunity to just stack the money in there. And they have gotten ahead of us with that one. So can't do it. I hope that you are enjoying the show. By the way, if you are in or nearing retirement and are someone who wants to gain clarity on what questions you should be asking, learn what the biggest retirement myths are, and identify what you could be doing to achieve peace of mind for your retirement, get started today by requesting your complimentary video course, Four Steps to Secure Your Retirement. To access the course, simply visit pomwealth.net forward slash podcast. If you're new here or you haven't done this yet, this is definitely the first step to get started in applying these principles to your life. So head over to pomwealth.net forward slash podcast and check us out. Yeah. And so for anyone listening, the 529, it's a, I know a lot about them because I've got a little, almost three-year-old and I opened a 529 for him, but 
it's a it's a college savings account where someone can fund into not just yourself but also grandparents can fund into and uh your your the adult is typically the account owner and then the beneficiary is typically the child that's going to use those funds uh for college education it's a really nice tool provided that they are going to use them for education uh but what denise is talking about here is that the the worry has been is that um what if I overfund this and for some, for whatever reason, the, the kid doesn't go to college or um, I have too many dollars in there and the cost was a lot less than expected. So now there's a way out, which is into uh, this with this new provision uh, to move money from a 529 into a Roth. My question, though, Denise, is, is it whose Roth does it go into? Does it go into the, the beneficiaries? So the child's Roth or would it go into would it be able to go back into mine? Uh, definitely the beneficiaries, because once you've given up those assets, it's not yours okay. anymore. The 529 plan uh, and, and education savings account, too, does have a provision where if you're not going to use the funds, you can transfer it to another eligible beneficiary, someone who's a, a qualified family member. But um, the only way it could get into yours <laughs> is if you're going to an eligible financial institution and you move it to your 529 plan, gotcha. you know, but yeah, it has to be the 529 plan of the beneficiary. Now, beneficiary in this case means something different from what we are used to, because typically we were talking about IRAs, a beneficiary is the person who received the assets upon the death of the, the account owner. But in this case, the beneficiary is the beneficial owner. Great. So I got a question for you, and and this is not specific to the Secure Act because I, I mean I we could probably talk about that forever right now because of the questions. But I know that you know we utilize your your services throughout the year. I was telling you before we actually hit record. You know, it's not every single day that we need to call and say what's the what's the answer here, but those few times a year that we have to get answers, they're big. I mean, they can be uh, very costly mistakes if we don't check ourselves. What would you say are some of the biggest questions that are out there that you get from advisors or uh, maybe some of the biggest mistakes you see uh, people in general doing when it comes to their IRA type planning? Is there anything uh, in particular that sticks out? Yes. Moving assets. Um, and this usually does not happen with uh, individuals who work with someone like you, because even if you don't know the answer right off, the light bulb goes off, right? But I get a lot of calls from advisors who say, this client called me because they're frantic. Uh, they did 10 rollovers from their traditional IRA to another traditional IRA because they're trying to do some deal. They want to take money out, invest it in a, in a house and put it back when they sell their first home. And that never happens. That's how life works <laughs> most of the times. And the problem is when they come to me, it's usually too late because they have broken the one per year rollover rule that, that we talk about. And I always say to consumers, don't believe everything that you read online. I don't care how good it sounds. Talk to a financial advisor and interview them, just like you would your physician. How much do you know about this stuff? Because, yeah, you're pretty smart and you can make me a lot of money. But can you protect my IRA from, from that type of mistake? Uh, one of the provisions that was included in Secure Act 2.0 is where they now have a statute of limitation for the 6% excise tax and the, the RMD excise tax. Uh, they, they have a statute of limitations on that. They always had, but the statute of limitations started when you filed form 5329. 
how many people knew that unless they're working with someone like you. There is a particular case where this man right now owes the IRS eight and a half million dollars because he didn't know that he should file Form 5329 to stop the statute of limitations. Now, Secure Act 2.0 acknowledges that it's a weird rule. Not everybody knows it. So now let's start the statute of limitations when the tax return is filed. So whether it's six years or three years, depending on the penalty, now we have a stop date when the IRS stop accumulating penalties. This is not the stuff that you can know as a consumer, unless you read about this full time, you got to work with an advisor like you who know these rules, or at least know enough to say, I need to check further into this to get the right information. Yeah, um, I think that's a great point. And uh, I wanted to clarify, so you said a rollover, or you're, you're talking about a 60 day rollover, right, where it's kind of it's made out to the person and then they can do whatever as long as it take as long as they get it to an IRA within 60 days. So there's a limit of one of those per year. Yes. And and one of the questions I get a lot, I'm so glad you asked that question, uh, is well, does this one per year limitation apply to my 401k? No, it doesn't. It only applies if you take money from an IRA and move it back to an IRA. And there are two types of IRAs, Roth and IRAs that are not Roth which would be traditional set and symbols. Now, uh, about 2014, this brilliant attorney read publication 590 published by the IRS, which led him to believe that if you have 10 IRAs, you can do 10 IRA to IRA rollovers. And so he tried that, he did two. And someone at the IRS noticed that he did more than one because you get separate IRS statements, 1099 hours and 5498. And so they disqualified one of the rollovers which means he couldn't put it back, right? Now, if the money's coming from your 401k or to your 401k, 403b, 457, then that does not apply. If it's going from a traditional to a Roth, that does not apply. Usually what happens is a client is unhappy for whatever reason with one financial institution, wants to go to another. And when they're upset, they're like, give me my money now, right? They don't want to do the right thing of going to the uh, new custodian and say, please go get my money, which would be a transfer, non-reportable, non-taxable. You can do that as often as you want to. So because they're upset, give me my check now, they get a distribution, they walk across the street, put it in their new account, that's a rollover. You can do that only once per year. Sometimes they do it because they wanna invest the funds or lend it to a family member or whatever the reason and try to put it back. So you gotta be careful how you move those assets. Yeah, I was just going to say, just for because we're using this term rollover, and I think a lot of times people think in their minds, oh, a rollover is moving from one IRA to the other. And and what we're talking about here on the 60-day rule, it, it applies only if I take possession of the money into my name. If I do what you said and and I go trustee to trustee, meaning I go from Schwab to Fidelity or from, you know, one IRA to the other, and it never loops through my name, I can do as many of those as I want a year. It's only that that one where I get the check made out to me. Yeah, and, and loops through your name is a very important distinction because the case that I'm working on right now is where the IRA owner went to the old custodian and tell them to send the check to the new custodian. Um, and they're thinking it's going from custodian to custodian, it should be fine. The problem with that is that they filled out distribution paperwork. And when you fill out distribution paperwork, the IRS is notified of the transaction. So now the IRS is a 1099R. They have a 5498 
on the other side. For them, they don't care how it happened. They just know that you have more than one of those if you do that more than once. And for them, that's a problem. So you really want to do a trustee to trustee transfer. You never want to do a rollover. There are going to be instances where you really need to use the funds. And if your IRA is your only source of savings, then you have no choice but to take it out. But you have to deal with the reality that you might not be able to put it back within 60 days if you're going to break the one per year rollover rule. Now, what I like to say to people too is, we're talking about the 60-day deadline here, and that also applies to if you take money from your 401k, have it paid to you, and you want to put it back. But um, sometimes life happens, and the IRS recognizes that. They provide solutions where if you miss that deadline for reasons like a family member was ill, there's a natural disaster, um, you were incarcerated, then they allow you to get a, an automatic extension of the 60-day deadline when that reason that prevented you from completing the rollover within 60 days no longer applies. So I always say to the consumer, yes, you might think that you have a, a problem dealing with right now, but you got to talk to your advisor to know if there is a solution before you just give up. Very, very good. Well, I know um, uh, the beginning of this, we talked uh, a lot about the SECURE Act and just a quick summary there. I think the biggest thing for retirees that you, if you want to take something away from this episode on the SECURE Act 2.0, there are some changes that are coming our way. Some have already been put into place. The biggest one being the RMD changing from age 72 to age 73 and also expanding to age 75 at some point in the future. Um, and then there's other changes as well from a retirement plan contribution perspective or the Roth RMDs that Denise was talking about that are going away uh, from a 401k. So a lot of good changes, but there's there's the nitty, nitty gritty on you really have to do these things right. You got to understand them and everything like that. So it comes down to either doing the research yourself or working with someone that understands all these new different rules. So um, Denise, I thank you very much for coming on and hanging out with us for a little bit here to talk about a you know, what most people would consider not the most exciting subject, but it's what we do. And it's good that everyone knows as much as they can about them. It's my pleasure. Thank you very much. Uh, by the way, you mentioned that you had written uh, a, a dictionary. Could you tell us about that dictionary and what that is, is about and, and how people might be able to get it? Absolutely. I, I wrote the retirement dictionary um, at retirementdictionary.com. And what I attempt to do is to break down or translate regulations like this into plain English for the consumer. Occasionally, I read an article that's directed at the advisor. But the bottom line is, if you want to know what's going on with Secure Act uh, right now, you can go to that website. I have an area specially designated where I'm, I'm breaking each section down and explaining it so everyone can understand it. Fantastic. Well, we'll make sure that that link is in the information so people can go get that. Uh, again, I'll reiterate what Merce said. Thank you so much for taking time out of your day to come and spend some time with us and our yeah, listeners. Pleasure. Thank you. All right, everyone. That wraps up today's episode of the Secure Your Retirement podcast. If you found value in today's episode, we would love nothing more than for you to head on over to iTunes and give us a five-star rating and a review. Be sure to take a screenshot of the review before you submit it and we'll send you a special gift. Our book, Get Off the Retirement Roller Coaster. 
just email morgan at pomwealth.net with a screenshot of the review to get your gift. Also, be sure to subscribe so you get notified of new episodes as they're released every week. And finally, please share our podcast with your favorite social network so more of your friends and family can benefit from this information. Always remember, you've worked hard to get where you are, and now you deserve to have a retirement that works hard for you.